podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. Uh, as you can see, or for those of you who will be listening to this, as you can hear, today's episode is only two man up. I mean, quite a big uh, proportion of our, our team are Russell Westbrook stands. Um, <laughs> and obviously, <laughs> when I look at the list, our agenda for today, uh, it's, it's not a good look. So I can understand why they were all suddenly unwell or all busy on a, a Sunday early afternoon. Um, Harold got his W, but um, Harold's also busy. I think uh, the Coppen Fracker lads had a, had a few too many last night and he's probably <laughs> nursing a hangover. And uh, Janine's just really embarrassed by our Clippers. Uh, that leaves me and Lee. Like, we, we come from the unique perspective where we are just... Uh, Lee supports Golden State, so they're not in the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately. They're chilling this year, man. They're good, they're good, they're good. They're good. <laughs> So he just gets to watch and, and critique teams and tell us all about, you know, next season, we're coming for you all. And as you guys know, I, I just like to enjoy the sport. But people keep asking me to, to find the team. So I think I'm going to put some effort into actually finding a team to, to root for. I think it, you love it a bit more when there's something um, at stake in, in your heart. So yeah, for sure. I'll be doing that over the next, next few months. But uh, with that all being done, aside our introduction, knee. Let's Yo. start with um, Lakers versus yes, the Houston please. Rockets. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, the Lakers last night won 119 to 96. So a, a battering, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, to win the series 4-1 and head to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since uh, 2010, Kobe Bryant's um, teams. Um, let's talk about it. What were your What were your feelings going into the series and uh, and when did you know Houston didn't have a chance? Like, what game did you? Yeah, these these boys ain't it. Um, it was probably game three where on Westbrook and Harden did okay. Actually, I think they combined for like, what like sixty three points and that. And I think they got maybe like one more bucket than than like, I'm AD and I'm AD and LeBron combined. And I thought, okay, so they win that matchup, they probably win the game, and they still lost. And I was like, oh man, it's trouble for Houston now. And like, you could just tell like the fourth game that like, their heads are dropped. They're looking lethargic. Those guys look lost. But yeah, it was tight. And then obviously you've got a Westbrook throwing off stinkers. It's a wrap, to be honest. Boy, um, yeah, you, you, you mentioned the fact that they did actually manage to outscore AD and LeBron in game three. And um, what they probably didn't count on was playoff Rondo. Listen, yes, this, yes. Is Lo- this is Ray John Rondo at the back end of his of his of his career i mean he had a great a great career at the boston Celtics. he won a title there and uh, he, he was their main man i think he took them to the eastern conference finals a, a couple of times um but yeah he, he he was injured so he he started this bubble um injured and he's come back to the team he's been fantastic he's he been has, absolutely been fantastic like um I don't think anybody counted for this. Obviously, the Lakers lost Avery Bradley and that, that looked like that mm. may be a big problem. But Rondo has fitted in perfectly. He's averaging 10 points a game, four, oh, well, let's say five rebounds and seven assists. Radio Rondo is shooting 44% from free. Yeah, that's mad. 44. Ray that's John mad. Rondo, one of the ugliest jumpers in the league. That guy's not even a shooter like that. Yeah. <laughs> 
listen, when that's happening, you have to pack it up. You have to pack it up. I think the, the writing's on the, 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 the wall for you there when, when you've got contribution from the, from the likes of Rondo. Um, but with that being said, I mean, the Lakers, AD, we, we questioned him earlier in the, in the kind of seeding bubble games and early in the playoffs, but he's come through and he's been fantastic yeah, these, these last four games. He's, he's reeled off 25 points, 12 rebounds and four assists. He shot uh, 60% from the field, 40% from three and 80% from the line. From the line, a bit, down, yeah, from the line a bit down on what he did in the regular season, but still very, very stellar numbers for a big man. And listen, LeBron James is just LeBron. LeBron James, he's just LeBron James, man. Um, 25 points, 10 rebounds and seven assists, along with two steals and almost two blocks a game. Um, are the Lakers now your favourites? I know all, all season and really since we've started this, we've been saying the Clippers are Clippers and we'll get to the Clippers. Um, have how the Lakers have dispatched the Rockets maybe changed your mind? Because we wanted the Lakers to play the Rockets because we thought this would be a fantastic series. We'd get to yeah, see yeah. the Rockets small ball up against the Lakers who are a pretty big, they're a pretty big team. Mm-hmm. They've, got, they've got Dwight Howard and Jim Trevor McGee who didn't play very much, which is a surprise because most people said to win, they'd have to go really big. Um, yeah. But they, they had AD in the five, which everybody has always felt like that is the key to the Lakers unlocking their best their best um, form. Has the Lakers' performance against the Rockets changed your mind about who your favourite is? Or are you still um, looking at the Clippers like they just have too much talent to fail? I'm still looking at the Clippers like they've got too much talent to fail. Like, I think they may be winning seven games. But um, I just want to give credit to Vogel because um, he definitely stepped up in that series against the Rockets. Like before, um, I had the Rockets winning in six, to be honest, because I thought they were just like, um, like on their small ball, they get, they get quite a few open looks, on which they did. But then um, he made some adjustments defensively. Um, he took out, um, he took out on the big men. Um, there was no more Dwight, there was no more Javel. I think in the first game, they played 24 minutes. And in game four, I think they played zero. So they played less and less minutes each game. And he kind of figured it out. Um, he went small, which many people didn't predict. A lot of people thought he would go bigger but he went smaller and he changed the defensive scheme and, and the offense as well. He had Kuzma and Caruso cutting um, and, and the, the, what do you call it, on the Rockets' defense, I didn't know what to do, to be honest. They went from the best defensive team in the bubble to the worst in the playoffs, which is kind of mad. But um, yeah, you just got to give credit to Vogel and it's kind of, um, it's giving me a bit more hope for um, the Lakers. Like, um, I feel like maybe if it's like game two and the two nil down, I think he can make maybe you make a few adjustments and maybe they'll come back into the series and get a few like grind and gritty rings, to be honest. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really good series if the Clippers get through, which they should. But, yeah, yeah it's definitely giving me a bit more hope, man. Yeah, we'll, 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 get, on to, we'll get on to the Clippers um, shortly. Uh, even with uh, that series, apart from talking about the Lakers, Vogel has done really well because, as, as we've previously discussed, the playoffs is it's all about the coaching at this point, making yeah. adjustments, um, you'll see something in game two. You need to take that away from the um, opposition for game three because if you're still leaving that there, and the Bucks can attest to that, if you're still leaving the same holes in your offense or defense for your opposition to exploit, these teams are too good now. We're talking yeah, about the yeah. last, yeah, we're talking about the last eight teams left. So um, on Vogel's end, he did very, very well. But he let's let's talk good. about let's talk about D'Antoni's Rockets. Um, listen. This is, they've gone out pathetically. They've gone out absolutely pathetically. They won game one. And there's a lot of chat. Shout out Reams. Shout out Jeff. Uh, both of them not feeling quite well enough to, 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 
come on the pod. Jesu ain't heard from him for weeks, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, let's talk about their two sides because I guess they're not at a crossroads, but now Harden's had Dwight Howard. He's had Chris yep. Paul. He's had mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. And he's had Melo. He has had Melo, and he has not been able to get it done. Um, he, well, looking at the kind of top-line numbers, and I think uh, when I was looking at the top-line numbers, I was kind of looking at them and actually impressed that they actually still look pretty de- decent. Uh, James Harden averaged 29 points a game, five rebounds, seven assists on uh, 50% shooting, 38% from three, and 84% from the line. So at the top level, it looks mm-hmm. like, actually, you know what? He had a really good series. And you can't really blame him. But this is why, as much as the, we look at the stats in the NBA, having stats only really back up what you see. You should never, ever use stats to form your opinion. You need to exactly. watch these players. Um, he just didn't. He just didn't show up, really. Um, in, no, I mean, in fourth quarters, what, maybe like game four or something like that. Did he have like yeah. zero, like zero shots so. or something stupid like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was you can't have that from your star player that the whole team is built around. I mean, like... You got D'Antoni, who basically builds his whole offense on Harden, yeah. isn't the time and the space, and even not scoring any buckets, that's just pretty pathetic, man. But I mean, it's Harden to be honest. It's it's what I expect of him. I can't lie to you. Um, this is the thing. He's so so dominant in the regular season, so so dominant, and um, he gets to the playoffs. And for the last few years, I think it's the last seven years or so, they've kind of gone out in pretty poor fashion, and every time. Um, he's kind of not looks good. So yeah. people almost don't give him his dues as a player because it's like, okay, the style that you use is great for the regular season, but when it actually comes to the playoffs and actually where everything matters, the style doesn't tend to work. Um, do you think it's Harden himself? Do you think it's the system that they play? What do you, what do you think it is? Um, well, that, I've never played different systems now, haven't like, Harden's been there for like, six, seven seasons. They've played different systems. Um, I think it's him, to be honest. Um, he's just not the player you want in the fourth quarter in like a, in like a pivotal, like crunch game. Like, I mean, he just doesn't step up to the plate. And I don't know if that it, maybe if his heart's not there, or I'm not sure what it is. But if he just doesn't produce what you'd want your superstar to produce, to be honest. Boy, what do you do? So obviously, I think we know this is kind of the end of the road for D'Antoni. Uh, they brought oh, yeah, in, sure. yeah. They they brought in completely by trading Clint Capella for uh, Rob Covington. Um, they brought Russell Westbrook over. Um, what do you think the Rockets need to do? Do they need to blow it up, or does this roster have what it takes to reach the mountaintop? Is it just a bit of tweaking no in terms of? <laughs> no way, no way. Just start a game, guys. Man. Just start a game. Oh, so so who are you trading then? If they're starting to go, are you actually getting rid of James Harden? Um, he's 30 years old, 30, 31. He's still got many, many years to go, man. Um, you get rid of a top a five talent. I don't think you, you can. Or you top should, five, should I say. Look, oh, oh ooh, ooh, okay, interesting. That's, I said top five talent. That's and like, point I want to raise, to be honest. You gotta, obviously, people are, people are going to be listening to this first, but you got to step people, back. You hit a step back like James, James Harden. <laughs> certain people in the future chat were telling me 2020 James Harden yeah. is better than LeBron. I didn't want to say anything that day because I thought, do you know what? I'm going to let this series show he's really better. Mm. I can't even believe it even came to that, to be honest. But I think we can all see that LeBron's still a top two, top three guy and Harden's mm. nowhere near in that guy's level at all. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I don't think Harden... Is he a top five talent? No. No, OK. So let's, let's, let's hash it out. 
You not having missed your top five players. Um, who is your top five players currently? All right, so we've got LeBron, we've got KD, we've got Kawhi. That's like the undisputed top three. Okay. Um, and I definitely think Curry's better than him. So that's four. Yeah. yeah. And then that fifth, like, um, it's contentious, to be honest. I mean, it could be him. It could be Harden. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, it could be... Um, Giannis. Yeah, I'm Giannis. But to be honest, like, and they both have flaws in the postseason. Um, I, I do not... I think the other four, uh, and people will put an asterisk on KD, the other four have shown they can be the best player in a title-winning team. Yes. And I sure. think that's that's the difference. Like, um, all due respect to what you do in the regular season. Like The regular season is the vast majority of your NBA career, but legends are made in the playoffs. Exactly. And Kawhi, LeBron James, Steph Curry, and yeah, say what you want about him, but KD have all proven that they can be the best player on a team that wins a title. Harden and Giannis up to now haven't proven that. They haven't even gotten to a finals. Again, they haven't even conquered their conferences. So I can see why you wouldn't want to put him in your top five. But his, his regular season play is too stellar. The guy is probably the best um, offensive player. I know, obviously, you talk Katie's a better scorer than him. But mm-hmm. um, all around, the best offensive player we've probably seen since Michael Jordan. Um Year in, year out, guarantees you 50, 55, 60 wins in the, in the Western Conference. Um, you ain't trying to hear it, Nee. To be honest, um, I've deeped it now, and I might walk it back, actually. Pretty quickly. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> so, yeah, man, I was deep in it. Man's is probably... Your head was hot. Your head was hot. Your head was hot. Man's is probably the top five talent, for sure. Or, like, okay. like, no, like, fifth. It's, it's contentious, but, I mean... You're not I mean, doesn't produce like a top than... five talent in the postseason. Oh, but you're not putting him any higher than fifth, is what you're saying? No, which no, is, no, which no, is way. Fair. no so way. Is it is it his playoff performances that will elevate him to the same status as the other guys? I mean, yeah, of course, man. Because like when you got the top fifteen, top twenty guys ever to play basketball, and we're talking about serious guys here, you have mm. won championships, maybe like back to back, they've won like, yeah. multiple championship MVPs. So, I mean, to get to that top fifteen, top twenty, I mean, you got to be that sort of guy, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 I guess, not a, I don't even know what to say. Is it a crossroads? Obviously, they've played a particular style for the last three years, haven't quite um, reaped the benefit. Just got to go again. It's got to go again. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Maury's got, probably going to go. D'Antoni's going to go. Um, he said in his post-game interview that they're one piece away, um, whatever that means. Um, they're one I'm piece away. I'm going to get that piece off. <laughs> I'm the both in that 40 million. What, whatever that even means, we're one piece away. Like, whatever, bro. Like, whatever. Um, so, we'll, we'll see what happens with Houston. And obviously, just a quick word on Westbrook. Westbrook, um, he was jawing about being double teamed while being down 29 points. So, uh, also got into it a bit with uh, Rondo's brother. That guy is um, so shameless, man. Listen, what, what, what can we say about him at this point? Obviously, he got injured, so certain guys will say he's not 100% fit, etc., etc., etc. But again, you're, you're looking at the stat line that he, he, he put up in the game, and he scored 10 points. He got four rebounds, six assists. He was uh, 30% from the field, uh, zero for three from three, and two from six from the free throw line. It's disgusting. That's disgusting in, uh, in, in, in a must-win game. Um, People feel like he's hated on. People don't give him his dues for everything he's achieved in this league. But when you're throwing up stinkers like that in a must-win game, what do you want us to say, man? What do you want us to do? Like, can you win? It's mad frustrating to watch, to be honest. I mean, it's not going to say Houston. I'm at OKC when had KD as well. That man would be 
that I'm trying to do hero ball, he'll be shooting up stupid threes. That's not even his game. So on why he's doing that, I have no clue. And on that game too, in midweek here, yeah, look here, yeah, that was one of the funniest games I have seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and those guys are trying to make a comeback. He comes into the court, they're down 20 again, even like two minutes. That guy, yeah, um, he was the sixth man for the Lakers. He was moving nuts. He was moving insane. He I don't know what he was doing. He can't, he can't help himself. He just... Like, I feel like he's so competitive and he just wants it so much that he gets this tunnel vision that just kind of fro- throws him off and he starts making irrational decisions. Yeah, he, does, like he, he, does. He, is, he is statistically the worst three-point shooter in history who's taken the volume of threes that he's taken. And obviously the whole big thing about the Rockets was that Mr. Midrange, Mr. Midrange, you're taking yeah. off the dribble. They've got their shooters. They've got their spacing. Um obviously he's clearly, you can see he's clearly not at his best. He's not as sharp as he usually is. But even um, in the series, the Rockets shot 37% from three. So they, again, they didn't even do that bad, you know? So yeah, they've got a lot, they've got a lot of work to do. Don't know if you can win it all with uh, Harden and Westbrook as your two uh, main players. Nah, man, it's over for you them, can't, man. You can't. And win that window's closed. The window's closed. You're not even, you don't even think like another man comes in, he can kind of rejig what they're doing, a bit more cutting, a bit more involvement of the likes of Eric Gordon. Um, obviously, they um, lost Daniel, Gordon. <laughs> obviously, they lost Daniel House to what was, uh, I guess, embarrassing. Uh, how the NBA reported it is that... Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. He had, a, he had a, a married man. He had a visitor. Um, visitor came. The visitor left. Um, the visitor was from outside the bubble. Obviously, he's exposed himself and everybody else within the bubble to somebody who could potentially have COVID. So, the NBA very rightly dismissed him from the bubble. Obviously a big a big loss to the Rockets. I don't think quite somebody who would have turned around a 4-1 defeat though. Um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be If I'm Daniel House, yeah. If he's the guy that you're looking to to change the series to you, you're in big trouble. Yeah, he's probably looking at himself like, "Right, me, Matty. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. That's not me, boss man. That is not me at all, man." So yeah, uh, Rockets, they got a lot of work to unpack, but the Lakers are looking strong. They're looking strong, and whoever comes up against them, they they are they're going to have their work cut out for them. Be a tough series, yeah, yeah. But with that being said, let's let's segue over to the, the other LA team. Uh, the Clippers uh, lost one hundred eleven to one hundred and five to Denver in Game Six. This is wow. They were up. They were up at halftime, and they were up sixteen. Four. Yeah, yeah, they were up sixteen, uh, and then were outscored. 67 to 49 in the third and fourth quarter by uh, Denver. Listen, like you said, they're still your favourites. But mm-hmm. throughout the season and up until now, they still have this issue with consistency. And even from that game, you can see even within the same game, they can have issues where they're looking really strong. And to be honest with you, I stopped watching at halftime because I was like, yeah, this is done now. That right, they, were locking, yeah. they were locking down the Nuggets defensively and Kawhi was playing well, Paul George was playing well. Uh, and then I, I'm, I'm checking my timeline. I'm seeing people, what Denver making a comeback to flip that bad boy back on to see what was going <laughs> on. And I couldn't, I couldn't quite believe my eyes. So, um, listen, we're in the conference semi-finals. How long can we continue to make excuses? In fact, not we, you, because they're still your favourite. How long can you continue to make excuses for the Los Angeles Clippers when they're serving up stuff like this? To be honest, I can't lie to you. I'm at this point, it's more bland faith than anything. It's because they got it's because they got Kawhi and PG. So it's really based on reputation. They got good. They got a good coaching. Legally blind. 
I'm legally blind. <laughs> basically, basically. And uh, look, yeah, I'm to be honest, I'm never going to base um, like our opinion on who's playing the better ball right now. Then the Clippers would not be winning the championship. But um, I would just assume these guys would, these guys would want to win a championship, for goodness sake. So um, they're kind of locking. But if you're not doing it now, as you said, in the semifinals, I'm not really too sure then. Because like, the points I made earlier in the season about their chemistry, um, I just kind of assumed it would kind of work itself out when it came to a serious crunch time, came to the playoffs, but no, nah, it hasn't, to be honest. So, um, I don't really know for the Clippers. I mean, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a sticky one, to be honest. It's a bit of a sticky one still. Um, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. As you're watching, like, obviously, Kawhi, he's, he's certified two-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-times champion, two-times finals MVP. Uh, you had him in your top four players uh, in the league. He... Has and obviously has a reputation of kind of being robotic, whatever. But Kawhi just takes a business approach to this. Until exactly. I'm lifting, until I'm lifting that title, there's nothing really to smile or celebrate yeah, it's about. No fun guy. Yeah, 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 it's, it's no fun guy for real. Um, while on the other side, you've got guys like Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, who obviously they're coming from a Clippers team who last year were eighth and they did give your Golden State Warriors an yeah. interesting series, but ultimately you know, Most of them haven't actually played on this level before. They've never played for a contributor. And it almost feels like there's two Clippers. There's Kawhi's side, which is serious, business-like, and you're looking at his numbers, and his numbers are exactly what you'd, what you'd expect from uh, mm-hmm. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. He is um, giving us 26 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists, uh, 48 from the field, 48% from the field, 33 from three, which is a bit low, 87 from the line. He's playing 38 minutes a game. Maybe they need to take that number to above 40 just to just to see out just to see out these these games. And even Paul George, who has been up and down, and we talk about him, people calling him George Paul uh, a few weeks ago. Um, he's given us 21.6 rebounds and four assists, 47% from the field, 42% from three, and 85% from the line, 36 minutes per game. Maybe those guys just, I mean, they're so much better than Denver. It shouldn't even have to be where a situation where we're considering having to play them more than um, uh, 38, 36 minutes in the game. But maybe just to see them over the line in in game six, they just give get those two to play 40, 40 minutes and just be done with it. But I think there's this two clippers and there's that culture clash. It means they don't deal with teams in the business-like manner that they're supposed to, you know? Knee? Ah, oh, Knee has had a bit of a tech issue, so um, he's not going to be responding to me, I guess. So it's an opportunity for me to just do my thing, really. Um, yeah, um, so... And we're back. Uh, knee just had some technical difficulties. It's an old case of the uh, iPad getting a bit too hot. Too, too many hot takes for his iPad to have. Hey, basically, basically. <laughs> he, had to, he had to switch it back to his uh, MacBook. Uh, but what I was saying before uh, you left me, Nee, was just the fact that um, the Clippers, it feels like there are two Clippers um, with Kawhi on one side, um, serious or business-like, not really yeah. here to celebrate until the job is done. And then you've mm. got on the other side guys like Lou Williams, um, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, who are joining, making all these back, showing off on the bench and stuff. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on if you think that's accurate, if you think that's maybe part of the reason why they're so up and down. Yeah, w- w- what are your thoughts? And that's definitely part of the reason, in my opinion. Um, I don't like people who like talk a lot on during the season and like there's been a sort of energy with like, I mean, like, on that game against 
and who's it against the Blazers where they're laughing at Dame on the bench and they're not even playing. And then and when people like Patrick Beverly do play, he gets what like two points in ejection and man's still talking <laughs> on the bench. It's crazy. Well, he um, had an interview and he said that the most difficult point guard for him to guard is Dame Lillard. And he had to get training in terms of his lateral quickness because he wasn't quick enough. So to go from that and giving Dame the ultimate respect to now because you're on a team that's clearly what one of the best two, three, four teams in the in the league. Now you're giving it the big and like haven't, you haven't actually done anything yet. You haven't yeah, done it. Like, like they say, he's tricking y'all. He's tricking y'all. Facts for sure. He definitely is. And to be honest, like on the production from the on Clippers bench has been crazy. I mean, I'm Lou Will's gone from. Well, like 18 points I mean, they're on regular season to like nine. And Manz is shooting, what, on 10% from the three? That's ridiculous, man. That's yeah, scary. that's mad. Playoff, playoff, Lou, innit? That's, that's what yeah. they're saying. Obviously, he struggled at Houston <laughs> in the playoffs as well. The thing is, yeah, defensively, he's a sieve and teams will target him. Oh, yeah, for sure, for so, sure. It's too easy. He makes up for it with his ability to score and score very well. If he's not doing that, he brings no value. He's now exactly. at the point where he's unplayable. Again, we keep we keep using the word unplayable, but again, it, it comes up. He's now at the point where he's 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 unplayable for the Clippers. Um, they're playing today. Um, I'm assuming you expect them to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And for once, the game's at a reasonable time, so I'm happy for that. Yeah, it's we. Six o'clock. Um, I was going to say we should hop on the Discord live, but you did me dirty last last <laughs> week, so. Um, for real, for real, bro. Um, so they, they're playing uh, game six tonight against Denver. But let's not just talk about the Clippers. Let's actually give the Denver Nuggets some props because obviously they came into this series and like Mike Malone said at the start of the series, everybody expects the Clippers to beat them. So mm-hmm. um, they, they, they didn't really have much to lose. And obviously coming off a, a, an emotional, um, physically and mentally uh, emotional, dra- emotionally draining series against the Utah yeah. Jazz uh, and not getting extra rest for that either. We didn't expect them to go very far, but yeah. here we are. They've again been led by Jokic and Murray. Jokic has given us 24, 11 and 5 assists on uh, 51% from the field, almost 40% from 3 and 75% from the line. Murray, uh, not so well this season, obviously, uh, this season, this series, um, from the ridiculous form that he showed against um, Yeah, Utah, man, he's locked up a little bit, yeah. He's up against defenders like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who are uh, two of the top probably five perimeter, five to ten perimeter defenders in the league. He's yeah. given us 19, 4 and 7. Um, given us 42% from three, but he's struggling um, from the field, but he's also shooting well um, from the free throw line at 92%. But what I like about Jamal Murray is he has this um, inner confidence, and it's not too dissimilar from Jalen Brown at the Celtics, that no matter how they're playing or how they're shooting, they're not going to stop shooting. It's like Dion exactly. Waiters... You can't. Um, it's like DM Waiter says, I'd rather be zero for 30 than zero for nine because zero for nine means I stopped shooting. Yeah. And I lost my <laughs> so go zero for 30, bro. So, yeah, they, they've managed to um, pick up two games. Um, probably already done better than most people thought. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Millsap have also contributed. Um <laughs> touch on two things. So, uh, game five, obviously, they, they beat the Clippers. Uh, didn't go so well in game four. Michael Porter Jr., like, give me the ball. Give me the damn ball. Like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bucket, like, give me the ball. Um, and towards the end of uh, game five, he made a big three. And it was a proper, a proper like, like, Murray, I think, passed it to him. And he didn't even take a second to contemplate. He just let that thing go, swish. Yeah, and then, then back down the other end. Uh, obviously, he's criticised for his defensive game. He made a big play at, at the rim to stop, stop the Clippers getting a layup. So he, he only got seven points that game. I think, yeah, seven points or so. Um, but he made big plays in the clutch. 
Um, and obviously Millsap, who, I mean, his albatross of a contract, 30 million is, is up this year, which will give them more cap flexibility. But he, again, had a good game in game five, 17 and six. He didn't play down the stretch because Mike Malone said he was going with the team, the hot hand, essentially. Yeah. Um, Denver, should we be taking them more seriously as just being cannon fodder for the Clippers? Uh, or do you just think they've, they've literally, they've had a good season, <clears throat> they've had a good series? Uh, thank you for coming. Um, it's been a good season. They've definitely had a good series. And I think this is, I, mean, I don't think Denver were ever really like, like top, top challengers for the title, to be honest. But this is another like building season for them. They get more postseason experience. I think this is what, Jokic is maybe that like, second postseason, same with Murray as well. So you just need to kind of build in the experience that um, they've come through a seven-game series and they're playing an elite team. They've got two games off them. So to be honest, you can only build in this. It's been a solid season for them. And I guess MPJ gets a few playoff minutes, some serious minutes where he will learn. Um, that play he made earlier, by the way, um, in game four, where he got that rebound or he got the block, that was hilarious because a man flexed afterwards with the ball and he almost got stripped. That yeah, guy is he, was still in, in game five. Yeah, there was still la- the play was still live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what he was doing. The man. game was literally still live. But obviously, his his dad's coming to the bubble. Um, and obviously he knows what people say about him, and, and his defense at times has taken him off the floor. Mike Malone said it's so bad that we can't have you playing because as much as you're a bucket, teams will exploit you. And you know at this level defensively that again, like we mentioned at the top of this pod, that if there's any weakness or any chink in your armor. Your opposition will just exploit it. They'll yeah. just keep switching on to you. They'll just keep mm-hmm. switching on to you. And what you see is, and this is what annoys me so much because we see it with Melo at the Blazers, how well he's defending now. Mm-hmm. It's just effort. It's exactly, exactly. It's like being locked in, yeah. It's just being locked in. And obviously I get it. When you're the player who has the, uh, the score and burden offensively, you have to kind of convert, conserve your energy and you have to take plays off. But that's no excuse to be a defensive sieve for the vast majority of the yeah. game. You understand what I'm saying? So obviously mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. at... Denver, he doesn't have the responsibility of being the number one or even the number two option. So I yeah. think if he really puts out effort in to become a stronger player on the defensive end, with what he can do offensively, you're talking about a top, a, a, a big three of Jokic, Murray, and that's Michael nice. Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. That's that's nice. That's yeah. very 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 nice. Like in his draft, if it wasn't for his back injuries, I don't think he's dropping any lower than like second. In, sure. in, in, in his draft. Yeah. It's those back injuries. I think a Clippers doctor said he doesn't expect him to even make the NBA with the state his back is in, um, which obviously feels like a ticking time bomb. But um, Denver, with all the kind of talent they have, they took a gamble. And yeah, he's had a good, good promising uh, first season. So a uh, long mate continue. But yeah, I'm with you. I just think uh, the Clippers just have so much room um, to make errors that it's going to be tough for Denver to pick up the next two games off, to pick up the next two games off them. Um, So obviously we're still waiting on the Clippers, champions elect to come through, to come through to the Western Conference final. Let's switch over to the East, which is done and dusted. And we'll start with uh, an interesting game seven. The Celtics pulled it out, 92 to 87. Um, Listen, they played the most game sevens in NBA history and they have the best, um, the best record in Game 7s. So, really, they were just doing what they do. Um, what were your thoughts on the series, on the game? Obviously, Yas ain't here today. He was having an existential crisis uh, <laughs> last week's pod. Um, but, obviously, I was confident that the Celtics would pull through. Um, what were your thoughts on the game and, obviously, the games we've seen this week? I think that was a series most of us watched the most of. Yeah, that, that was definitely a really fun series to watch. It was I'm always tight um, because... 
maybe a team would get like 10 buckets in a row, they'd be up 10, but then like five minutes later, the other team make a run. It was just always like a tightly contested game against very two very good coaches who make good adjustments during the game. Um, and the game seven was, um, as I expected, it's a game seven. And there's not a lot of good quality buckets or like, um, like open looks and whatnot, but um, it's always tightly contested. It's a lot of grit. It's a low-scoring game and where your defence really matters. And uh, Marcus Smart made some big plays down the stretch. He's, he's what people pretend Patrick Beverly is. Basically, yeah. Basically, like Basically. An, uh, elite defender, heart and soul of his team, uh, a good threat from deep, and he just makes plays at both ends. He does. He's a smart player. He's, he's got good ideas. <laughs> no, pun, no pun intended there, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he brings a lot of effort and heart, man. That's what I love about him. The same with Kyle Lowry as well. It was, it, was just a, it was a fun series to watch. It was greatly contested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to touch on my brother, man. I just want to talk about Siakam, man. I, I don't know what happened to him, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him, man. He was, he 14, was it up. 14, uh, 14.7 rebounds, three assists, 38% from the field, 13% from three, and um, 72% from um, the free throw line. Obviously, he got a big contract this offseason. Was it something like four or five years, 120, 130 million? Yeah. Uh, played very well. Last year, um, obviously, he won most improved player. He's a, he's a title winner. He's been exposed, to be honest with you. He's been exposed in this series. Yeah. And it, it shows that can't be your first option. It shows the difference and the jump up from being a number one option to be, uh, so being a number two option to being a number one option. Yeah. And the defence has honed in on you. Um, listen, something about him is that I think when he was around 19, his, his intentions was to become a pastor. So... Basketball's oh, kind of been yeah. Basketball's kind of been something that came to him later in life. He needs to make a jump. Um, from what I saw, he needs to improve his core strength because mm-hmm. Jalen Brown was bullying him. Yeah, in post. He, was bullying him man. Uh, he needs to improve his three point shooting because it was a mess. Like I just said, thirteen percent. He needs to improve his mid range shooting because what we see in the playoffs is that as much as the mid range is seen as not a good shot to take statistically because obviously layups are worth two points and they're higher probability of yeah. going in and three pointers are just a couple feet out and you get an extra point for taking it. Um, the mid-range seems to be you need to have a mid-range game in the playoffs. You need to have a consistent mid-range score. So you need to improve his mid-range game. Um, yeah, so improve his core strength so he's able to do more than just that spin move in the post because Jalen Brown had a jolly up. He needs to improve his three-point shooting and he needs to improve his mid-range game. Um, personally, as funny as it's been, everyone's taken shots at him. Like I said, he, he came to basketball late um, and he's a testament for him getting as far as he's gotten so far. I expect him to take another mini jump uh, next season. I don't yes, think he'll be quite number one option, but I don't think he'll serve up what he served up against the Celtics. Because to be honest no. with you, if he, if he averaged 20 points, um, let's say 45 from the field, 35 mm-hmm. from free, um, the Raptors go through. So yeah. you can really look at Siakam and say that in a series that was so tight, his poor play, poor, very poor play, there's a reason the Raptors weren't able to, to pull it out and they, they took it to a game seven. Um, I want to talk to you about um, that last play from Van Vliet. Um, yeah. What was he <laughs> thinking, please? Um, I don't know if he gave up, if he was tired, because that play was perfect. I mean, it was also similar to the play with Norman Powell. I can't remember what game it was, maybe game six. Yeah, it was game where six. He, yeah, he, I mean, he's at the top of the key against Kemba, and man just, he just chopped up a three. Um, and it's not even just him, to be honest. A lot of players in the NBA do that in the last play. So it's a nasty play to run. It's so yeah. annoying. When you, can, when you can see that um, 
a drive is available or coming in a bit more is available. Just to see a player just ugh, let me just fr- chuck up a three is so it's so annoying to see. Um, the Raps have done well. Like my thing the whole time I was watching this this series was um, obviously Nick Nurse versus um, Brad Stevens is a, mm. a great X and O battle. But what I could see is that the Raptors, their their lead scorers Lowry and um, Van Vliet, it's just too small. They're too small, and that meant that that impacted them on both ends. It was oh, yeah, uh, as well as good as the Raptors' defense was. They're going up against um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown who are uh, Marcus Smart, who are all bigger than them, able to score over them, shoot over them, physically dominate them. And then um, you've got, yeah, so that's what's happening when the Raptors are defending. And then when they're attacking, they have to, they all want, they all want to get onto Kemba Walker. Everyone wants to switch onto Kemba. But you can see like um, Lowry, as, as, like, Lowry, fantastic. The way he's mm-hmm. turned his kind of reputation Man, around these last yeah. few. Listen, Fred Van Vliet was 18, four and six this series. He shot 34% from the field. 31% from three, and he was 86% from the line. So he just kept shooting. He just kept shooting, like we saw with that final shot. Um, he's due a big contract oh, this, yeah, for year, sure. this year. So, it. yeah, you'd expect the Raptors to want to keep him, but maybe he tries to go for 20 million, and then he ends up at Obi's, Obi's Knicks. Um, and Lowry, as, as well as he played, he was 26-6 and six on 43 from the field, 30 from three, and uh, these are percentages, by the way, listeners, and 79% from the free throw line. So again, you can see that, like I said, they they, they were the better players offensively and they, they struggled. Um, Serge Ibaka was great. Serge Ibaka yeah, he was, was he great. He gave you a lot of valuable um, minutes, yeah. Like, guys make the jokes about Ibaka being 40 years old and whatever. <laughs> but man, if that's if that's what 40 looks like, give me some of that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to take, I'm happy to take being a 40-year-old. He's His contract is up. Uh, Mark Gasol's contract is up as well. Um, so they've got some interesting decisions to make. Um, yeah, it was it was a good series. Let's talk about the Celtics. Uh, Jason Tatum, brilliant in Game Seven. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts about his performance and your thoughts about Tatum as a as a player, as a prospect? Um, I think the thing is that I mean, he's basically still learning, to be honest. Because in Game Seven he played really well. In Game Six, um, his decision making was a bit iffy, and his shot wasn't hitting. And then when that happens to Tatum, or like from someone like that, like a scorer. I'm looking for them to get to the free throw line, to be honest. That's where you can go and collect your points. So that Harden, one day, I think against the Lakers, he had 20 points, but 16 were from the free throw line. He was shooting poorly, and that's the sort of thing you'd want to contain in a tight game where his shot isn't hitting. He's get to the free throw line and convert more. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, he's a good player, man. He's like the sort of guy you want to build your franchise around. He's, he's a franchise player. I think he had a good series, to be honest. There were a few iffy moments where he threw the ball away and down the stretch. He, he, he was kind of bad. Um, but, I mean, he's still learning. Man. Facts, facts. Um, yeah, I love him. I think he's a fantastic defensive player as well. Um, he's really troublesome, gets in the lane, makes makes steals. He's got length. He's got that, again, he's got that core strength and he's got that agility and, and, and lateral quickness. Um, on his on his feet and offensively, he's got a lovely offensive bag. He kind of, kind yeah. of uh, efficient smooth. from uh, very smooth, efficient, fantastic footwork for a player so young. He's efficient from all over the court. So I think, like you say, he's still young and still developing. That decision making uh, has to come up. To be fair, that that turnover he had in game six, uh, Nick Nurse should not have been standing on the court. He's yeah, he should have been. It's true, it's true. He's essentially saw 
a thing and just slung it thinking it was going to to, to Tice. Um, so yeah, fantastic. This is his third year. He's been to two conference finals. Um, and then let's also talk about his his co-star, uh, Jalen Brown, who had a funny, uh, an interesting series. Um, like we've already mentioned, he really did not give, um, he did not allow um, Siakam to do anything in the post. Uh, Jalen was um, 20 or 21 points a game, nine rebounds, two assists, two steals and, and a block. He was uh, 42% in the field. 28% from three and um, 86% from the line. Um, what again? Same question I asked about Tatum. What are your feelings about? Um, what are your feelings about? <laughs> this happened again. What are your feelings about um, Jalen Brown? Hold on, give us this. <laughs> oh gosh. So unfortunately, the MacBook is just about as durable as the iPad. Uh, this is a horrible advert for for Apple at the at the moment. We're probably going to get a call f- from from Tim Cook asking us. Uh, we're probably offering us um, brand new Apple Apple products because the, yeah, this please, showing, <laughs> this, this this showing today has been um, shocking. But um, jokes aside, um, before you did uh, unfortunately leave me, uh, I was asking you about Jalen Brown. So I was saying he had an interesting series. Obviously, we spoke earlier about how well he did defensively against Siakam. Uh, yeah. On the offensive end, it was 21 points, nine rebounds, and two assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 43% from the field, 29% from three, and 86% from the free throw line. So I was asking you the same way I asked you about um, Tatum, uh, your thoughts on Jalen Brown's series and just him, again, as a prospect. He's a solid player, man. Um, he's like the perfect second option. A man isn't really that... I mean, he doesn't demand the ball too much. Um, he does a lot of off-ball work. He's a great defender. He's always locked in. He's vocal. He leads the team. He's a good player, man. He's everything you want. He, he's a smart guy. Um, yeah, man. He's, he's a great testament to the Celtics, to be honest, on the court and off the court. As Yas was saying last week, um, he, he had a solid series. There was a couple of games where his shot wasn't hitting too much, but then that doesn't phase him as much as he used to. Because before you'd see him and his shot wasn't hitting, he would kind of phase out the game and maybe not be as intense as he used to be on the defensive end. But now he's locked in regardless. I mean, he'll keep taking those shots. Um, I think there was one night he went like two for 11 from the three. I mean, he doesn't stop anymore. I mean, he, keep, I mean, he keeps going. He's a focused player. And yeah, man, this is what you want in the second piece for sure. Yeah, I agree. Like, he, his three-point struggles throughout. But like you say, he didn't, he didn't stop taking them. I think nah, he, either, he, made a, he made a big corner three in game six, which brought them um, pretty close. Um, yeah. And obviously they, they saw it out in Game Seven, so they've got the Celt. Uh, sorry, the Celtics have got the Heat, uh, a well well rested uh, Miami Heat. Um, obviously it's early. Uh, it, it looks like Gordon Hayward is coming back, um, and yeah, yeah. yeah, that that will be interesting because I think um, again I keep using this word unplayable, but Kemba Walker he didn't have a good series. Before we go on to the the, the, um, the game against the, the the series against the Heat, let's just quickly talk about um, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker, he did average 17, 4 and 6 on 42 from the field, 28 from 3 and 84 from um, the free throw line. But those, again, are just the top line stats. When you actually watch the games, um, the Raptors would employ a box on one whenever he was on the on the ball to stop him yeah. penetrating into the paint. And he didn't really have any answer from that. From what you can see there, uh, he wasn't able to really get it going from deep. Um, so Hayward coming back gives them another option. It makes them bigger defensively, but it also mm-hmm. gives them another person who can who can score. Um, so with what we have to hand, that looks like Hayward's coming back. 
um, and what we saw the middling play of Kemba Walker. Um, what are your early thoughts on their series against the the Miami Heat, who dispatched uh, the Bucks very, very impressively? Um, it's kind of hard to call, to be honest. Under both on good teams, like actual teams that they've got good rosters and they've got good, they've got great coaches. Um, and to be honest, I mean the last round, I called both series wrong. I had the Bucks winning in six. I had the Raptors winning in six. So <laughs> I kind of flopped in this one. So there, I make a prediction. I might go with the Celtics, and I can't really tell you why. How many games? Just vibes. Yeah, just vibes. And how many games would you have the Celtics winning it? Seven. I think it'd be quite a tight. It'd be very you think tight it's going to be another tight? Again, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. got two great coaches who will adjust um, to, to 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 weaknesses shown. Um, and exploit um, weaknesses on the other end. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yes, yes not here to speak for his Celtics. Um, they beat, they lost one game in the bubble, it was to the Heat, and the Heat have just been a bad matchup for them um, all season. So, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that series very, very, very much, man. It's, it's two great teams. Jimmy Buckets trying to get, get to uh, his first NBA mm. finals, uh, and Tatum trying to go that step further with, with um, his team. Um, it's bubbling. Listen, these players are bubbling nicely. Like yeah. the, the bubble has been a different experience, but still, it's basketball, man. And once it starts playing, you just you just love it. You just love it. So um, you're saying the Celtics on the East, and let's assume it's Lakers versus Clippers. You're saying the Clippers mm-hmm. on the West. So yeah. uh, we'll touch back on that in a couple of weeks. We'll see. We'll see exactly where <laughs> we stand. Um, listen, man, we we make shouts. We're right. We're wrong. We learn some new things. It's, it's just water off a duck's back to me, to be honest. Um, but I just want to thank you for coming through. Um, obviously, you're one of the few people in there who, in our chat who don't have any skin in the game. So you, just like me, just get to enjoy the game. Yeah, man, it's all win. good for me, man. Yeah, you win, you win, you lose, you lose. You know, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming through um, today, Nia. Um, and we'll, we'll catch up with each other again later in the week. Oh. Fantastic. Peace. Nice one, bro. Peace. Podcast Network.